Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in our building, the Macklin Building in downtown Charlottesville. Our audience is you, the viewer and listener, wherever you're watching, whatever social platform you're watching upon. The show is dynamic, and you can help shape the conversation, ask questions, all for perspective. I relay it live on air. This show is crowd-sourced content. We welcome content from all social media platforms and discuss it on this show. We want content from you guys. Today's program, you can see talking points on screen. Tim Longo yesterday says this is the worst gun violence he's ever seen in Charlottesville, Virginia. When the chief of police of UVA, the former chief of police of Charlottesville City, says this is the worst gun violence he has ever seen, I listen. And he puts it in perspective with statistics and metrics, which I will relay to you. Also on today's program, we will follow up on discussion from yesterday's show on, on CRHA, looking to use $10 million, five of that $10 million taxpayer dollars, taxpayer money, the remaining $5 million from a private donor at a 0% interest rate loan. CRHA is going to buy Dogwood Properties. It's a portfolio of real estate. Dogwood Properties is a subsidiary of Keith Woodard, of Woodard Properties, one of the most well-capitalized and influential local developers in Charlottesville and in Central Virginia. CRHA is looking to use $10 bucks to buy 74 properties from Keith Woodard. I talked about this on yesterday's show. No one else is talking about this topic right now in the 300,000 person market. My hope is this conversation that we're having here and the fact that I'm being consistent yesterday and today with this topic puts this storyline in the new cycle so one of the other media outlets in this community does a deep dive on this very topic. CRHA, this is what I'm wondering. When CRHA buys real estate and owns real estate in this community, does that real estate come completely off the tax rolls? If this deal materializes and goes across the, uh, the finish line, the 74 properties that the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, a, a housing authority that, I'll, I'll read their mission statement for you. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority is a resident-centered organization committed to excellence in providing affordable quality housing, revitalizing communities, supporting resident involvement, and prompting upward mobility and self-sufficiency through partnerships in the public and private sectors. They own housing. They rent housing to folks below certain AMI area median income thresholds. As CRHA purchases housing... Does that take the housing off the rent rolls in the city of Charlottesville, which then passes more of the tax burden on to, to citizens in this fair and fine city? That's a question I have. A follow-up question I would have, how does, this up, how does the CRHA purchase impact upzoning, or does upzoning impact the CRHA purchases? Is the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority buying this real estate because they want to be the first to take the real estate they just purchased and upzoned it 
to its fullest potential. Remember, the 74 properties they're buying from Keith Woodard and Dogwood properties are scattered across the city of Charlottesville. Will we see single-family detached homes immediately converted into duplexes, quadplexes, sixplexes, because CRHA is going to lead the charge of creating density locally? That's a follow-up question that should be asked. Okay, local journalists watching this show, TV, print, radio, these are the questions you should be asking of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority attempt to purchase 74 homes from Keith Woodard at $10 million. Question number one, the $5 million the city is potentially allocating to CRHA, is that the best use of $5 million especially at a time when you don't have enough school bus drivers and you have a lot of other utilities locally that are, that are lacking and, 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 and in bad shape. Sidewalks, public transportation, bicycle and pedestrian access, no bus drivers. Is that the best use of the money? That's the first question I would ask. The second question I would ask, what entity or what person is doing this $5 million private donation at a 0% interest rate? The third question I would ask, is it a developer that's giving CRHA potentially $5 million at a 0% interest rate alone? Is it a developer that's doing this? The next question I would ask, if it is in fact the developer that's doing this, like I personally am hearing, is that developer expecting any kind of kickback or something in return? For example, if this is riverbed development, and, and, and that's the word, if this is riverbed development giving CRHA $5 billion at a 0% interest rate, how does this impact what is expected of local government, say, for example, in riverbed development's KBART development location? Is this the type of deal where I'm giving you five million bucks at a zero percent interest rate? You're going to work with me at the Kmart location. Michael Payne is already lobbying in his re-election efforts. The councilor, he's already lobbying or platforming or campaigning that this should be housing at Kmart. Riverbend is saying it's going to be strictly commercial. The economics don't work for housing. So that's a question I want to know. I also want to know: Does the 74 properties do they come off the tax rolls? And I want to know what CRHA's plan is with the 74 properties from an upzoning standpoint. Will these be some of the first properties that we see transform into added density? That's the journalism that I want to hear. I want to read. Those are the questions that need answers. <clears throat> we'll talk about it on today's show. We'll talk um, Allison Spillman running for Albemarle County School Board, the at-large sheet. She's going to challenge um, Dr. Meg Bryce. I'm going to take a deep dive into this election and to this competitive race. It's now competitive. Previously, there was one candidate, Dr. Bryce. Now there are two candidates. So now we have a competition. Previously, we did not. I want to put the screenshot on from yesterday from Brandon Lloyd, if we could. Brandon Lloyd's screenshot. I didn't get to this yesterday. We ran out of time. Brandon Lloyd, a former newspaper writer at the Daily Progress, now a small business owner, but still very active on social media when it comes to UVA. It's on screen. Shedrick is transferred. Um, 
Cafaro is not coming back. Vanderstash is done with eligibility. Jaden Gardner has exhausted his eligibility. As of right now, Tony Bennett in his front court, the tallest re- returning player is Ryan Dunn, a rising second year. We are at a, a, a crossroads with this program right now. You have a roster for next year that looks very depleted, and Bennett's going to have to fill this roster through the transfer portal, undoubtedly. Because with, with the transfers he's already had, the cupboard is bare. And Dunn, as of this point, is the tallest returning front court player. But still, in Tony Bennett we trust, and I sincerely mean that. In Tony Bennett we trust, I sincerely mean that. Neil Williamson, Kevin Yancey, Marquise Johnson. We'll get to your, your uh, comments in a matter of moments. I got one TV station and one newspaper watching us literally right now. Erin King, one of Western Admiral's <laughs> finest alumni, is watching. She's the queen of Scottsville. Erin King, we love when you watch the show. Same with you, queen of Jack Jewett, Carol Thorpe, Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre. Well, welcome Judah Wickhauer on a two-shot. Judah B. Wickhauer. Yesterday's show was dynamite. Um, I got an answer from Deep Throat on the tax roll comment or question that I asked. Thank you, Deep Throat. I will relay what you just sent me live on air in a matter of moments. Deep Throat, the man who sends me DMs on Twitter during this show, is sincerely very much a zoning and housing expert. I mean, I'm just... Very much impressed on a daily, daily, on a day-to-day basis, um, Deep Throat, of how much you know when it comes to housing and zoning in this community. I mean, you're extremely well-researched. First, um, Judah, let's welcome you to the show. You're looking sharp. We've got a busy afternoon. Yep. An executive meeting at the Clifton in T-minus... What? Two hours? Hour and 45 minutes? And then a client happy hour at Marigold. Yeah. You're dressed to impress. Where do you want to begin? Where do you want to start? I thought yesterday's program was one of our best. One of the things that I was most frustrated with yesterday's program was that we ran out of time. When you and I were in conversating, I lost track of time. That's how much I enjoyed yesterday's show. I thought you were very much on point. Do you want to follow up from yesterday? Do you want to talk CRHA? Deep Throat says yes, they come off the tax rolls. The 74 properties that CRHA is attempting to purchase from Keith Woodard and Dogwood Properties come off the tax rolls. So yeah. we're talking 90 G a year as of right now, well, coming you, off the tax rolls. Well, I think you made a good, a good point earlier when you said, what does that mean for the rest of us? If, uh, if, all, if 74 large properties or 74 properties are coming off the city's tax rules, who's going to take up the slack there? And uh, Us. Yeah. Us. Me. You. Us. No, maybe not us. We both live Me. outside of the city. Uh, business. Yeah. Pay a boatload of business taxes, and all the real estate in this building right here is in the city of Charlottesville. Yeah. I'm paying a boatload of real estate. The Macklin building, you want to know what I pay in real estate taxes every year? Let us know. Would I have any idea? What's your guess? How much I'm paying in real estate taxes versus on, on a lot of the real estate owned right here in the Macklin building? I don't have a guess. 15G. Yeesh. That's before the business tax. That's before the tax on the other the stuff in Almaro County. Yeah. 
Um, Deep Throat says the rent roll on the Dogwood properties that CRHA is trying to buy. Remember, Keith Woodard bought the Dogwood properties. If you Google Dogwood properties Charlottesville, you'll see um, a link from Keith Woodard's website. Keith Woodard, who's a local developer that is, that is, that is, that is considerate of this community, if, if this was a developer that was out of market, I would be very much more worried. Mr. Woodard cares what happens in Charlottesville. He lives in Charlottesville. Anthony, his son, who's running a lot of the day-to-day, cares what's happening in Charlottesville. You look at the, the, the link on Keith's website, the 74 properties were purchased in 2007 by Keith Woodard from Eugene Williams. And if you do a little Google search on Eugene Williams, you will find one of the kindest men that used to live in Charlottesville. Mr. Williams literally started purchasing property. He was born in 1927. He's a huge civil rights activist, a huge housing activist. He was born in Charlottesville, the oldest son of Septimia and Tom Williams. In 1949, Mr. Williams married Lorraine Payne of Ivy. They had two daughters, Carol, Lorraine, and Cheryl Eugenia. Uh, Mr. Williams attended Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mr. Williams fought for integration. He fought for housing equality. He fought for people, regardless of skin color, a true, a true, 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 true positive force in this community. He started piecemealing together a portfolio of real estate, a lot of it in the 10th and Page neighborhood, where he would buy these properties. He'd rehab them. He'd fix them up. And he'd give others an opportunity to live there at price points or rents that were not always market. So you're talking a guy that was a businessman, but he was a social entrepreneur, a conscious capitalist, someone who's concerned of his footprint. That's what I'd like to see more of in Charlottesville. Eugene Williams embodies what Judah Wickhauer would like to see in Charlottesville. Mm. Okay? This property... This, this, this portfolio properties, dogwood properties, was purchased by Mr. Woodard. And why Mr. Woodard purchased these 74 homes by, from Mr. Williams mm-hmm. was because Mr. Woodard was, was, was deeper, was, was better capitalized. Because of, his, because of the money, his economies of scale, he had, lab, he had employees, he had team. He's a, he's a massive company here. Because of that infrastructure, he was able to rehabilitate these 74 properties at a, at a greater clip in frequency. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Woodard, trying to make something happen in Fifeville at the old IGA and Kim's Market location, is he selling these 74 properties to CRHA for a little scratch my back, I scratch your back, you scratch my back with IGA Kim's Market? I'd love, I'd love to know. I think we should be asking that question. Lloyd Sanook and Michael Payne on Friday show Real Talk with Keith Smith. I'll bring this up with them. Mark your calendars now. Um, this is an interesting statistic from Deep Throat. The Dogwood Properties portfolio, the rent roll is $900,000 annually. So Keith owns these 64, these 74 properties, 74. Yeah. The rent he collects every year from these 74, 900 grand. He's selling these 74 for 10 million. As Deep Throat said, and as I responded, it seems the 10 million dollar seems low. Hmm. 
when you have a rent roll of 900 grand and the asking price or the agreed upon price is 10, 10 million, that's low. Yeah. That's why I think there's some kind of bone being thrown here. Mm-hmm. Five million interest-free loan by an anonymous party? Woodard, who's a shrewd businessman, unloading a portfolio of properties at 10 million, where the cap rate would suggest the price point should be much higher? It's, it's got the businessman and me, mm-hmm. the antennas flicking. No doubt. Going off. Comments are coming in fast and furious. I want to get to the one from Neil. Neil Williamson watching the program. He's the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. He's a friend of the program. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Neil Williamson, you would, I think you would very much um, enjoy uh, Deep Throat and some of the stuff he has to say. I very much think you would. Um, Neil has called housing affordability a community endeavor. It is a community endeavor. 100% agree with that comment right there. If affordable housing is a community goal, the community should have skin in the game. That would be in response to 74 properties coming off the tax roll, 90 Gs less to operate with city, other taxpayers, homeowners, business owners, commercial real estate owners, picking up the burden. Your thoughts? Uh, I'd like to. I'd like. I'd like to hear uh, Neil's expanded thoughts on on that statement. Uh, Me too. I think he basically means if you truly want housing affordability, it's going to affect your bottom line too, Judah. Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's it's going to affect your bottom line too, Jerry. That's a fair point. That's what he's saying. But, and and I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, from a uh, from a from a the right side from a from a capitalist uh, viewpoint, that should be uh, shouldn't that be our choice though? I don't follow. Rather than the city making that decision for us, just you think it should be our decision, and not the city making the decision for you. To, to Neil, Neil, just how a, about just a question? Uh, I, I think, in general, Neil would agree with me, um, but I also, I also think that's a, uh, it's a fair statement on his on his part that uh, if if we all want affordable housing, then uh, you know, put your uh, uh, put your checkbook where your mouth is. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Yeah. John Blair confirms CRHA properties are tax exempt pursuant to Article X, Section 6 of the Constitution of Virginia. CRHA properties are tax exempt pursuant to Article X, Section 6 of the Constitution of Virginia from John Blair on LinkedIn. Multiple folks confirming they are removed from the tax rolls. That's a, a storyline that should be identified. Yeah. Right? Especially if they're using taxpayer money to buy them. That's exactly what's happening. Do you see why I'm trying to highlight this? And then charging us more in uh, taxes to... Subsidize the purchase. Cover the loss. Utilizing taxpayer well, dollars. Well, then to cover the lost taxes. There you go. Do you see the conundrum? They get us twice. Explain. 
I see it. Explain. Well, so uh, these are the topics we should be talking about. Go. If Charlottesville is buying something, then it's not so much Charlottesville as the people that live in Charlottesville that are paying for it. And if those properties are then taken off the, the tax rolls, how, how they make up that lost tax income is by taxing us again. So we're paying for it twice. $5 million of the $10 million is coming from taxpayer dollars and the CIP. Mm -hmm. We're paying for half of this. The 74 properties are then taken off the rolls. We lose 90 Gs a year that could go to city initiatives. Except we're not going to lose it because they'll get it somewhere else. Us. Yeah. It's from us. It's a 10.2 square mile city with little development. They're not going up yeah. yet. We're capped from who else can come because there's no other room to grow in a landlocked city yeah. They're getting it from us. I want to know who did the private loan $5 million at 0%. Mm -hmm. I want to know if it's Riverbend Development. I want to know if there's any scratch my back. I scratch your back for that Kmart site that's in the news right now. I want to know CRHA's plans with this 74-unit portfolio from an upzoning standpoint, will these units be some of the first that go to maximum density potential? I want to hear what the community members that live around the 74 standalone single-family detached houses, what they have to say if, double, if duplexes, quadplexes, and sixplexes start springing up next to them. Yeah. Start springing up next to them at the influence of a government entity, a housing authority. Mm -hmm. This is not private business right. or, free, or the free market. This is a housing authority that would be doing this. Yeah. That's very different than the invisible hand. Mm -hmm. This is essentially government doing this. Yeah. This is government doing this. And they're not held back by their own regulations. There we go. There you go. They're using a slush fund to fund the purchase. It's not like they're having to go to a loan officer like Scott Morris of Ross Mortgage, qualify for a loan, and go through all the rigmarole, give your firstborn baby three years of tax returns, bank statements, W-2s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're just taking the money from taxpayers. And for as, all, for as far as we know, there could be a little, I scratch your back, you scratch my back for the, the remaining $5 million. Yeah. Hell of a story. Hell of a story right here. Deep Throat, Neil Williamson made a good point, Deep Throat says. Separate point is that I worry that CRHA is not a good steward of properties. Will CRHA keep these in good condition? Our public housing does not give me great confidence in CRHA. Our government doesn't give us... Do we want government to be <coughs> one of the largest real estate owners in the city of Charlottesville? Definitely Do we not. know many entities that have purchased or can afford to purchase a 74-unit portfolio at $10 million? We could probably count who can do that or who is doing that, a better statement, on two hands. CRHA has got a hell of a lot of real estate under its purview. 
A hell of a lot. These are questions we should be asking. Mm -hmm. And these are questions that aren't necessarily being asked because we don't have the institutional memory and local media. Someone that's fresh out of college doesn't know to ask these questions, nor do they have the network of people to ask. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to get to comments. This is from Dylan's Rule. Listen to this one, Judah. This is a two-part tweet from Dylan's Rule on Twitter. Jerry, if the rents are accurate, then Mr. Woodard is carrying on Mr. Williams' legacy. Those rents are low for the Dogwood properties. That makes this transaction seem very odd. Why does CRHA need to acquire the properties for affordable housing when the units are already affordable? Yeah. This is very, very odd. The city does not get any greater amount of affordable housing, and it loses 90 Gs a year in tax revenue. Hmm. From Dylan's Rule on Twitter. Anything you want to add to that? The uh, Dogwood properties damn good are already affordable. They're already affordable. The city is using taxpayer dollars to buy real estate that is already rented at affordable levels. That is... Explain that to me. I, I need you to help me understand this. This is why Dylan's rule has sent us that tweet. I'm going to try to say That's this again. Stumper. The city of Charlottesville is using taxpayer dollars to buy real estate that Keith Woodard and the Dogwood properties are already renting at an affordable level. Why do they need to buy them when they're already affordable rentals? Can you help me understand this, please? It could be some kind of uh, PR scheme. Maybe they don't think that anybody knows that. Or is it the upzoning? They that just... the, the, the plan is, um, yes, Dogwood Properties is running it affordably, but if we buy them CRHA, then we can take full control, and when upzoning is a reality, then we can start going two and three X the density of what Dogwood properties, because we don't know Dogwood properties in Keith, if he would have taken all 74 units and, and truly upzoned them. But now that CRHA has control of them, they will upzone them. Maybe that's the plan. That could be the play. If that's the play, you're looking at CRHA leading the upzoning charge in the city of Charlottesville. That still seems, still seems to be a reach. Uh, I don't know. Why do you think that's a reach? Just out of curiosity. Because why do it now? Why not just leave them in? Because uh, we're a few months away from this being greenlit. So why not go into talks with, uh, with, with them about, uh, about making them larger? About, you know... Persuading making, Woodard to upzone? Yeah. Carol Thorpe says, ask the residents of Crescent Halls how well Charlottesville City can run... Housing. Yeah. Crescent Hall's the uh, apartment towers right across from ACAC. Right and next to Ix. Right next to Ix. Horror stories you hear there. Carol Thorpe, it's a good comment right there. Oh, Marquise, I don't mind reading your comments. Marquise Johnson holding us accountable. He's got a few of them here. Let's see if I can get them. Ooh, we got a handful of comments. Marquise Johnson, I like when you watch the show. We'll get to your comments here. He thinks that this is that we are in favor of whitewashing the city. 
How so? I would, I would, I'd like to know how so as well, Marquise Johnson. Offer me a little more clarity here. And I'm, ha- I'm happy to watch your, read your comments live on air. Happy to do it. Ask questions, media. Ask questions, TV and print. Vanessa Parkhill says, Dylan's rule on Twitter is spot on. Ultimately, it's, it's control. The government wants control. Vanessa Parkhill says, this is right up Michael Payne's wheelhouse. Michael Payne's background, affordable housing. Yeah. Michael Payne wants Riverbend to take the Kmart location and build residential. Riverbend is saying the economics don't work. It's going to be hmm. retail. Interesting. Put them in the feed. Comments. Vanessa Parkhill, thank you for watching today's show. <clears throat> Bill McChesney, I've heard of a similar slush fund, sir. I see the slush fund comment. I've heard of a similar slush fund, Bill McChesney. Um, Friday is Marquise Johnson's 38th birthday. Happy 38th birthday. Happy birthday. Very grateful for your uh, viewership of today's show. All right. um, Longo. How about this stat from Longo? Are you ready for this? Longo's the chief of police of UVA. He's the former police chief of Charlottesville. Chief Longo said in a town hall meeting yesterday that was attended by roughly 800 people, a virtual town hall sponsored by UVA, Tim Longo said the city of Charlottesville has had five murders since January. To put that into context for you, in the almost 16 years I served as chief of the police in the city of Charlottesville from 2001 to 2016, I never had any more than that number in an entire year. There were some years I had no murders. They've had five murders just in the first three months of the year. That's long ago offering context. Yeah. For everyone that's been saying gun violence has always been here in Charlottesville, We've always had crime in Charlottesville. We've always had gun violence. We've had drugs. We've had gangs. We've had robberies. We've had crime. Your boy, Tim Longo, just put it in perspective. Over the last 22, 23 years, he first was police chief in 2001. He's never seen this much murder. Five deaths in the city of Charlottesville since January. Most of the time, he says, we don't even get that in an entire year. In some years, we have zero. As a result of the gun violence, Jim Ryan and UVA have established a community safety working group to address gun violence. And the community safety working group is going to have stakeholders. Jim Ryan single-handedly, remember I talked about who's the most powerful people in this community? Jim Ryan almost single-handedly has brought Almaro County Police... UVA police, Charlottesville City Police, the police chiefs of all three departments, the number two of all three departments, and in some cases rank and file of all three departments, at the same table, in the same room, eyeball to eyeball, communicating about community concerns. That's power. Sean Reeves, the Admiral County Police Chief, a couple weeks ago, he told the community, this is the first time in years that Almaro County Police, Charlottesville Police, and UVA Police are working together. Yeah. In years, the ACPD chief says, first time in years we're working together. That's power. 
That's influence. Ryan, a couple of weekends ago, got pissed off that a 26-year-old contractor for UVA was murdered on the corner. I'm hearing he was murdered because he pinched the behind of a female associated with the alleged killer. Mm -hmm. Ryan gets disturbed in the middle of the night. He doesn't want gun violence around grounds, certainly not in his presidency. He issues a late night, early morning statement and says, I will fix this. We will fix this. And the dude is doing it. That's power. Now time will tell if the efforts are productive. I will say this, and Longo highlighted this in his comments in the town hall forum yesterday. He highlighted the fact that all five murders this year, the alleged killers have been apprehended. Yeah. Much better than the national average. He highlighted that. He made sure to emphasize that. Mm-hmm. Joe Plantania made sure to emphasize that, the Commonwealth's attorney of Charlottesville. Cautious, the chief of police, has highlighted that. And I would imagine on Friday when Lloyd Snook and Michael Payne are sitting next to me and across from me, that they will highlight that as well. Yeah. It's the only silver lining here, Judah. Well, I would say the other silver lining is that none of these have really been random. I mean, with the exception of the most recent one, which is a little bit, most of these haven't been, you know, with all the... Oh, they've, they've said in every murder they've known each other. Yeah, exactly. It has not been random. Right. So with the exception of uh, some bullet-riddled cars, I, you know, I, I think we've been extremely lucky, lucky all things considered, with, uh, with these five murders. Um, not, that, not that I'm saying that they're lucky, but just the fact that these haven't been, you know, these haven't been some guy in a clock tower taking pot shots at people walking around. This hasn't been, you know, praise the Lord, this hasn't been Nashville walking into a, a school, school and, and hurting children. Um, you know, these have been, I think like he mentions, people, uh, people solving their problems in very poor ways, but uh, personal vendettas and, uh, and the like. Um, Grayson's asking for the lower thirds on screen on topics. Thank you, Grayson, for the reminder on that. We'll get those topics on screen, the ones we're talking about. I'll get to comments coming in. Um, Kevin Yancey, I do not think the $5 million at 0% interest is a loan from Keith Woodard. Keith Woodard is not going to give a loan from his own bank to a city or a housing authority to buy properties from himself. I do not think it's from Woodard. Neil Williamson says, Jim Ryan has drastically changed the town-gown dynamic by actions over words. See economic development, affordable housing, crime, transportation, cooperation. I agree a thousand percent. In fact, I can add some perspective on this. Jim Ryan has a working group called the President's Council on UVA Community Partnerships. And the President's Council on UVA Community Partnerships has a handful of groups that meet regularly. And those handful of groups were established as early as 2019. 
and these groups examine how the University of Virginia can partner with the community to address areas of importance while strengthening relationships with the surrounding communities. Those working groups include affordable housing, local economy, pipelines and pathways, early childhood education, and public health. He has now added a new community group called uh, Gun Safety Community Group. He's creating groups to better the relationship, the assimilation, the integration of UVA with Almar and Charlottesville. It's, it's, it's very intelligent. It's something that was undoubtedly lacking in Teresa Sullivan's term and in John Castine's lengthy tenure. Often when, when, when I was at school, when John Castine was the president, all that mattered was grounds and UVA. We were only focused on the bubble. Since Jim Ryan's been president, he understands it's the city of, C- it's the city of UVA, not the city of Seville, and he's got to focus well beyond grounds, the corner, and the bubble, and start looking at truly what UVA's impact is on Almaro County, the city of Charlottesville, and in central Virginia in totality. Ryan's done a hell of a job. Carol Thorpe says, we do not need a return of Bob Fenwick. Word on the street is Bob Fenwick is in the mix. Bob Fenwick, Deshaun Cooper, Lloyd Snook, Michael Payne, brouhaha, four dudes, three open seats. Three dudes, four dudes, three open seats. Bill McChesney says Keith Woodard is as tight as the bark on a tree. He will not make a move that is not beneficial to Keith. That's from the mayor of McIntyre, Bill McChesney. He says, when Woodard purchased the properties from Eugene Williams, he did raise the rents and the price points. They took all of 10th and Page and gentrified the neighborhood. He whitewashed the neighborhood. That's what he means. Marquise Johnson, we appreciate your comments on today's show. And happy early 38th birthday, sir. All right, I want to get to the. Uh, I want to get to the school board story. I want to get to competition on the um, school board with the at-large seat. We've got one candidate that we know is running, and Dr. Meg Bryce, who's been on this network twice. I'm a fan of Dr. Bryce. We have another candidate that has recently announced in the last 24 hours, her name, Allison Spillman. She's described as a former business owner and a board member at Reclaimed Hope Initiative. Spillman is a mom of five kids. Wow, five kids. Um, their five, her five children are enrolled in Almero County Schools. She tried to fill David Oberg's seat when he resigned from the school board. Oberg represented the Whitehall District. She was not selected by the school board members hmm. to replace Oberg. 
She openly has said she's running for the at-large seat because she did not want Dr. Bryce having a, what? Uncontested run. An uncontested run, election. Well said. So because Dr. Bryce at that point was running unopposed, Spillman says, I'm in the race. Spillman and Bryce could not be more opposite people. Hmm. You, you, you look at what they stand for, they're complete opposites. I'll welcome both on the show. We're equal opportunity interviewers on this program. Ms. Spillman, you get airtime on this program. Dr. Bryce, airtime, you guys know how to reach me. Spillman, one of the main reasons she's running for school board is she's identified a threat to LGBT students, especially transgender students. Spillman said one of her children is a member of the LGBT community. And she says she's very proud of the ACPS, Almaro County Public Schools, transgender policy. And she believes that we need to keep fighting for trans students. That's ACPS. Another of Spillman's children is special needs. And she has seen firsthand the trials and tribulations of special needs students within Almaro County Public Schools. She wants to shed some light on special needs and what it's like to have a special needs son or daughter that attends ACPS. We have a little competition, Judah Wickhauer. Spillman is pro-collective bargaining for the teachers. Dr. Bryce has indicated on this show that she necessarily isn't, she's not necessarily pro-collective bargaining. The transgender topic is going to be one that both are undoubtedly going to have to identify, address, and answer. Yeah. That's going to come up. I've said on this program, this election will be determined by, and no order, the following topics. Collective bargaining. Unionization of teachers. I've said this will determine this election. Lack of bus drivers figuring out this problem. Yeah. Teacher shortage and teacher morale. Did you see the story Rob Schilling did recently? Morale with ACPS <coughs> teachers, hmm. arguably at an all-time low right now. I'm they talk about overworked, underpaid, fearing for their life. Kids running through the halls. Unruly the flights, students. Doing whatever they want. Morale at an all-time low. I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, my friend left the school system because it just wasn't worth it anymore. Enrollment dropping, teachers resigning, morale at a low, school violence an issue. You hear the reports on social media, you read them, about graffiti at Almoral High School. Did you see that? Mm-mm. Nastiness. Mm. Bigotry. Really? On school grounds with graffiti? Uh. What do you make of Spillman versus Bryce? Bryce versus Spillman. Well, I'd like to hear more on both of their stances on some of these things. For instance, uh, I don't think we've... I don't remember what uh, what uh, Meg Bryce has said about uh, 
collective bargaining. Um, I don't think that uh, I don't think that opposing someone just so that they're not uh, running unopposed is not the best reason to to run for a seat. But um, I don't think that's the only reason she's running. No, it's definitely not the only reason. But putting that out there as like the the, the first thing that they talk about makes it seem that way. Um, that but, could be how the reporter chose to organize the article as well. Yeah. But to fair. your point, to your point, you hope the motivation to run is not just to offer competition. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. We'll give her the benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah. I mean, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like to me why she's running is the trans issue, transgender, mm-hmm. special needs. Yeah. She's got a, a, a child that identifies as LGBTQ. She's got a special needs child. Yeah. And I'm, she's pro-collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, there's, her, there's her platform. Yeah. I, uh, she says something about, um, about the issue with... SROs? Uh, that's, what, that's not where I was going to go. I was uh, talking about the... Um, uh, the problem with what was it uh, uh, basically basically getting into a getting into a contract argument about uh, how to train what uh, what lessons to use for uh, for special needs children and how it's almost adversarial uh, like the school is yeah I found trying, that fascinating it is trying to uh, basically trying to bargain as little time and energy and money as possible which in a way makes sense but come on this is these are the people that are supposed to be looking out for our kids you mean negotiate yeah she alluded to acps doing the bare minimum when it comes to special needs yeah. she further alluded that acps is not really set up for special needs student education and that yeah. you have to be a true aggressive persistent advocate of your special needs child if your special needs child is going to get the kind of education that's going to meet expectations. Right. She spoke to the fact that you almost had to be a watchdog if your child was special needs when it comes to ACPS. And I believe one of our viewers could probably give us a, give us a good picture of that as well. Who's that? Um, you don't have to call out names if you don't feel comfortable. Oh, I think it's Lisa Costello. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, and she's routinely shared perspective on this. Lisa, I'm curious if you want to offer any perspective on this. We'll, we'll, we'll relay it live on air. This is, this is the at-large seat for the Albemarle County School Board. Mm-hmm. And how this race goes, whether it's Dr. Bryce who leans right, Yeah, she's conservative, or Spillman, who leans left, she's liberal. Yeah. This race will be a barometer of the political climate of Albemarle and Charlottesville. You have two candidates that are polar opposites. Polar opposites. Yeah. And we've talked on the show how the Commonwealth has gone, and Central Virginia, 
and has been much more purple of late. Yeah. Governor's race is a good example. Mm-hmm. Very much a blue state for years past, now very purple. The Bryce Spillman race will offer insight onto the political leanings of this county. No doubt. Time will tell. I'm glad to see this race is going. Carol Thorpe says, I can concur with Spillman's point about needing to be a watchdog for special needs kids. Carol Thorpe, thank you for asking the, uh, thank you for leaving this comment. We, we, we have a lot of um, appreciation for you, um, Queen of Jack Jewett. I'm going to respond to her. I mentioned this live on air. Thank you for watching today. Um, all right, let's go to Twitter. This comment's coming at Albert Graves. Thank you for sharing the show. We're grateful. We appreciate your support. Thank you kindly to um, Sevo Matters for watching the show. Ginny Hu. This is from Grace and Jerry. I legitimately get my news every day from you and Judah. I passed along the I Love Seville show to my wife and her co-workers, and they are now routinely watching you guys on their lunch break or in replay mode in the afternoon. Please continue offering perspective for this community that is fair, honest, and unafraid. You are backed and watched by many of us here in town. Thank you. I'm going to give him some props, say thank you. I think so. I say yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're grateful. We don't take that lightly. No. I don't. I know you don't. Definitely not. I mean, some of the conversations we've had before and after the show, you definitely don't take this lightly. Yeah. I mean, you understand what's at stake here and stuff living on the internet forever. Yeah. Oh. Should we have a debate? Remember the Malik and Malik Steve Harvey debate we had here? Vaguely. We also had a debate with Carl Brown, with Brian Pinkston, and Juan Diego Wade, which me and Kathy Galvin hosted on this network. And we had a live debate between Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook on this network. We got to rotate the lower thirds, two on screen, they're saying. What are we on? Should we have a debate for Spillman Bryce? I'm happy to host. We can also host a debate for uh, the council races. I mean, just an opportunity for folks to get to know everyone. Yeah, that'll be good. Carol, Carol Thorpe said she advocated for her son Matthew for 15 years at Albemarle County Public Schools. Hmm. Yeah. It can't be easy. Who do you think is going to win that race, Bryce or Spillman? Uh, if it was in Charlottesville, I'd put my money on Spillman. Uh, Albemarle f- County, I'm less certain. Ginny Hu says, I love a well-run debate. Ginny Hu, we may do that. Does the... Does the Bryce... The news about Bryce having kids in private schools impact you from a voting standpoint? Not really. Walk me through that. 
Matt, Matt Daring is saying on the show that it should have an impact. That it should? Yeah, that her kids are in private schools. I have an answer, but I want to hear your answer first. I, I mean, you know me. I uh, sit on the fence post. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I can see it from both. I can see it from both. Uh, both perspectives. Um, in in one regard, yeah, I see what he's saying. Uh, if she's not going to have her kids in the schools, then why should she have a say in how they're run? On the other hand. Uh, on the other hand, is she supposed to move her kids to a different school just because she wants to run for uh, run for a seat? I don't know. I think uh, her kids didn't sign up for it. I think the fact that she's the fact that she's running says that she's passionate about this, and I honestly don't see a problem with uh, with the fact that she wants to she wants to help guide Albemarle County schools. There's the answer. I have zero problem with Dr. Bryce's kids being in private school. You've got someone whose kids go to private school, yet she's going to allocate tens of hours a week of her time to public schools yeah. and get paid little to no money, if and, anything. And for all we this know... This is someone who cares. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's going well beyond Mm-hmm. The stuff that she would do if she's elected in her four-year period of time, the policy that she would try to make reality wouldn't even impact her kids. Yeah, That shows you that she's genuinely after the betterment of the school. Yeah, although, I do think although, that is going to be something used against her by her opponent, though. Yeah, I was going to say... And she a, should answer it like I just did. As a counter to that, yeah, I can definitely see people saying, look, uh, here's somebody that wants to wants to make changes to a school that aren't, that isn't, the changes that aren't going to affect her kids. Uh, Matt says, cool, Judah, then by that logic, people that live in Alexandria can be on Charlottesville City Council, so as long as they care, of course. What do you got to say to Matt about that? I don't think that's an honest response. You think that's an honest response? No, I don't think that's an honest response. You do not? No. Explain to Matt why you do not think that's an honest response. Because... He, because we, everybody, we know he's being sarcastic. We know he doesn't really mean that or think that. Oh, he really means that. No, he doesn't, though. He does. He, he genuinely means that. He genuinely thinks that Bryce should not be running in this race because her students are at, her kids are at private schools. He genuinely means that. I wasn't questioning that. I was questioning the statement you just read. Carol Thorpe and Deep Throat are going after Matt here. Carol Thorpe says, Dr. Bryce is a taxpayer and stakeholder. That's enough skin in the game for me. Dr. Bryce pays taxes in Almoro. Yeah. Deep Throat says, very terrible different. argument from Matt. That's a doofus argument. That's why I didn't want to, that's why I wasn't replying to he it. He says, she not- pays taxes in Charlottesville, that's a t- or taxes in Almoro County. That's a typical smug, civil lefty garbage comment. Daring's comment. Deep Throat saying that about there. Thorpe saying that as well. Jonathan, Spencer, and Kelsey agreeing with that statement of being a not a fair analysis that would disqualify Bryce, saying they disagree. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. That's why I chose not to not to answer. It's his his response is not an honest response. It's elicited to uh it's 
it's given to elicit a particular uh, um, answer from us, and uh, I, I I get what he's saying, but it's it's not a fair it's not a fair statement. It's not fair to uh, it's not fair to to Meg Bryce, and it's not fair to ask that question of us. Um, Albert Graves says, I admire anyone who doesn't have to send their kids to public schools. <laughs> Albert Graves, or your AG. Ginny Hu on Twitter, we often have this conversation in the homeschool community. Whenever a homeschool parent wants to run, they are told they should not run because their children are not in the system. Maybe those people should put on their listening ears to hear why we want the system fixed and so what that we would s- do to fix it. So that they can put, send their kids back there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... She, Bright, Meg said on the show when she came on the program, they moved to their house for the elementary school that their house was feeding into, and it was extremely brutally difficult for her to remove her kids from Murray and put them in private school. Because she, but she did it because she didn't like how COVID was playing out. Mm-hmm. She said it was incredibly difficult for her to move them. Yeah. And from the school, I don't know if this is a I don't know if this is a, um, a factor of time or place or what, but uh, I was in the opposite uh, uh, the opposite situa- situation in school because I was going to a private school. Uh, my first, my first, uh, well, junior high and my first year of high school. And at, w- at which point I chose to switch to the public school because it seemed to, to offer more opportunities, uh, larger classrooms, more students. Um, and again, I don't know if that was a, uh, a function of the time and the place or, um, or if that was just, it was just different back then. But... Um, yeah, I think uh, parents and their students all want the best that they can find. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be held against someone when they choose what they feel is the best for their family. And again, as we mentioned earlier, if somebody in that community decides that they want to work and spend their time to to better a part of that school system, uh, who are we to, uh, uh, to, uh, set up second a, guess, set throw up a, shade, set up a barrier of entry just because, uh, their students are in a different school. There you go. I don't see, I don't see it. Vanessa Parkhill, queen of Earliesville says this, didn't Dr. Bryce pull her kids from public school? Sounds like she had experience with public school, sought better options for her children. Now she is choosing to bring what she's learned to the board to benefit all area public school students. There you go. That's how you answer that question. There's not a single doubt in my mind that Spillman's campaign is going to try to utilize this one point against Bryce's campaign. And Bryce's campaign's got to answer, my kids were in public school. It was very difficult me, difficult for me and my husband to remove them from public school. Yes, they're in private school now. What I'm trying to do is genuinely and authentically what's best for ACPS because my kids aren't even in the school right now. 
all this hard work that I would be doing would be bettering a school system that does not even have my kids in it. So yes, I'm doing this for what's best for the school system. Yeah. That's how you manage the perception. And I think everyone will see it. Carol Thorpe throwing shade at Matt in the comment section. And then she says, I kept my special needs in public school rather than enroll them in the Virginia Institute of Autism. And she says, Matt needs to check himself in the comment section. Hmm. <clears throat> it's going to be a good little race. Hopefully. I'm glad we got competition. Well, I hope we get them on here to, so we can uh, either singly or together you know get what? their... Get this, their... Is, this is what I'm going to do. I, I agree 100% with what you said. I'm going to send her a friend request right now. I already got the friend connection made with Dr. Bryce. I thought she was quite impressive on the show the two times she came on. Did you not? Yeah, I wasn't here. I believe I wasn't here for one of them, but uh, yeah, I I like I liked what she had to say. She's well spoken. Um, I firmly believe that she uh, she has <coughs> uh, she has what's best for the kids in mind, and um, I mean, both of the candidates do. I just sent I just sent Allison Vic Spillman a friend request. Allison, Ms. Spillman, I sent you a friend request. If you could accept that friend request, we'll coordinate and get you on the show. That way we're equal opportunity interviewers. I'll, yeah. I don't want to get into the squabbles and beefs, but Matt is obviously catching a lot of heat right now from viewers and listeners. And he says, call me the names you want. I'm simply, I'm simply pointing out the holes in your logic. That's all. Obviously, with how upset everyone is getting, you realize the whole is that logic. Also, ACPS had to handle COVID the way the state told them to, whereas private schools are given a longer leash. Matt. People are pointing out the fault in your logic here, sir, whether you want to admit this or not. Folks can run for school board that don't have kids in public schools, and they can still have a positive impact on the community. For you to say that Bryce should not run for school board because her kids are in private schools is like saying this guy or this gal should not run for Charlottesville City Council because they're because super your family, wealthy. Because your family lives in DC. Because they're super wealthy. Because they have another house in DC. Because they're they're purple. Okay? If you pay taxes and you live in the county or the jurisdiction or the city, you have a right to run. You know what that's called? The law. America. That's what that's called. Almoral County. Charlottesville City. If there was an issue of someone running for school board when their kids were in private school, there would be a law that said, you can't run for school board because your kids are in private school. Guess what? There's none of that. Yeah. It says if you live in the place, you can run. 
Oof. Um, all right, that's the show. We've got to be at the uh, Clifton in 50 minutes. Marigold in three hours and 20 minutes. I think I'm going to start with an old-fashioned at 5.05 p.m. this afternoon. Thoughts, ideas, perspective, anything we did not cover that you would like to relay to the viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show? <clears throat> the show is yours. You can go in any direction you want. I think we did not have a trivia question today. Nope. I think we covered most of it pretty well. Uh, I would say, uh, I would say, guys, give give Matt a break. We're all allowed our opinions, and um, Matt's and, allowed his opinion. What? Matt's allowed his opinion. That's what I said. We're yeah. all. He he said you can call me all the names. I I haven't read all the comments, so I don't know if people are really calling him names. But they are. Okay. So and so I would say lighten up a little bit. We are all allowed our opinions, and uh, every one of you watching helps make us better by sharing your opinions. Because uh, without without opinions that we disagree with, we'd all just be in an echo chamber, and uh, that's something that I cannot abide. Yeah. There you go. I have no problem with folks disagreeing, hearing different opinions. All I'm trying to say is, this is the law. So this doesn't apply to opinion. If you live in Almaro and you're a taxpayer, you can run. Yeah. That's the law. Right. This isn't about opinion, right? It's the law. Yeah. Voters are given the opportunity to choose, Neil Williamson says. It comes up to who you vote for. That race right there between clearly a liberal and clearly a conservative is going to be a benchmark or barometer for the political mood, the political climate in Almaro County. To some extent, yeah. I cannot think of another race. Can you think of another race in Almaro County that's going to be potentially more competitive than that one? Uh, not from not from either side of the aisle like the way this one is. No. That's the one. All right, that's the show. Um, Judah Wickhauer is the director of this fine and fair talk show. My name is Jerry Miller. I will close by saying this. It's long-form content. It's very difficult for the content to be taken out of context, and it's long-form we have questions and topics and conversations that occasionally are in the category of awkward or uncomfortable. But we need to have those conversations because that's how you make the community better. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, The I Love Siebel Show on a glorious Wednesday afternoon. So long, my friends. <laughs>